Nothing opens ears like fears. Our text this morning is Acts chapter 2. You may notice in your bulletin that the Acts reading has taken the place of the Old Testament reading, and that's because the season that we're in now, the church season, is Eastertide. It's the season between Easter, the resurrection of Christ, and Pentecost, and it's the season of the church, and so we look at the book of Acts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would open your word to us. We pray that you would encourage us by it and build our faith by the power of the Spirit. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. When I was in high school, I would blast my car stereo as loudly as I could so that my ears were nearly blown out. My favorite song to blast through my speakers in the fall of 1982 was Mad World by the band Tears for Fears. This morning, we'll see a continuation of the wonderful and fearful events that have gone outward from Easter as we see in the book of Acts that fears opens ears. Fears opens ears. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 14, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And of course, we're on the day of Pentecost here in our text. It says there, but Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. So we've got the 120, this little bitty church that's meeting in an upper room. We see there's 11 of the disciples here because Judas is now gone. Now what's the context here? Well, Peter here is getting ready to preach on the day of Pentecost in the grounds of the temple. We see the context in verses one through five. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So in the upper room, a mighty wind came. In the upper room, flames like tongues of fire rested upon this 120 and then they went out into the crowd of festival goers and they opened up their mouths and they spoke languages that they didn't understand. Now what do you get when you have wind and fire? What do you get when you get sparks and you get wind with it? You get a wildfire and that's what's going on here. A wildfire of the Holy Spirit of God is coming and they go out And there's all these Jews from all over the world. Jews who live in faraway lands so long that they speak the language and have absorbed the culture and probably understand very little Hebrew. And so when these come out of the upper room and they open up their mouths, in reality what you see is many languages but one message, many languages, one message. So what you have in reality is one language. It's the reversal of the tower of Babel. Going into verse 12, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Indeed they are. They are filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit of God. They're filled with the new wine of the arrival of the kingdom, the great feast. In the midst of fearsome times, Peter got up and addressed the crowd. Now at this point, it's 53 days after Jerusalem was thrown into chaos at Passover with the death of Jesus. 
It's 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead with many witnesses, earthquakes, and resurrections. It's been 10 days since Jesus ascended to heaven, and now this. Now these are amazing. These are amazing events recorded here, and the time frames are very symbolic. Look at what we have. On the 50th day back, you have the ending of the Passover. 50 days later, you have the Feast of Pentecost, Pentecost, the Feast of 50. Jesus rose from the dead, and then he walked the earth. He came and went among his people for a period of time. What was that? Well, 10 days prior to Pentecost, he ascended to heaven. So what does that mean? Jesus walked among his people for 40 days. Isn't that interesting? 40 days. 10 days prior to Pentecost, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and now the Spirit's been poured out. Let's go on here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Now Peter begins to preach. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Now notice the name and title here of Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, a name and title of derision. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But now it's trumpeted with confidence because the resurrection changes everything. And look who's doing this preaching here. Look who's trumpeting the name and title Jesus of Nazareth. It's Peter, just a little while before this, some 50 days prior to this, not a very long time. We read in Matthew 26 and verse 71 when Jesus has been arrested and Peter is following along and he's in the courtyard where Jesus is being tried and it says this, and when he went out, that's speaking of Peter, to the entrance, a servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth and again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. When the name and title was announced at the trial of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, Peter said, I don't know the man. He wanted to deny it. He wanted to get as far away from it as he could. But now on the day of Pentecost, he shouts out, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works. And you know, you know these things. Now many of these Pentecost pilgrims who were in Jerusalem were from far away lands. So you've got the Passover, and you've got Pentecost. These were two of the three pilgrim feasts. On the pilgrim feasts, all the men of Israel were to present themselves at the temple of God. Now, if you lived in Judea or Galilee, you went back home after the Passover, and then you came back 50 days later because it wasn't that far away. But there's Jews all over the world at this point in time. After the exiles of the Assyrians and Babylonians, there's Jews all over the Roman world. There's Jews beyond the Roman Empire, far reaches of Europe, far reaches of Africa, out into Central Asia, and these have come to Jerusalem for not only the Passover, but they stay over for the Feast of Pentecost as well. So these Jews who've gathered in Jerusalem would have been familiar with the triumphal entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. They would have been familiar with the crucifixion of Jesus. 
they would have been familiar with the resurrection and all the strange stories that were percolating. Some of them may have seen Jesus after the resurrection. You know, you know, verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Now friends, Jesus was delivered up according to God's definite plan and foreknowledge. Now that word for foreknowledge there is a Greek word you're probably familiar with in the English. It's prognosis. Prognosis. It means previous determination. Friends, I want to say this. Nothing happens by accident in this life and in this world. Nothing happens by accident in this life. That should bring you great consolation. The fact that God does all things according to his mighty plan. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse four says, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. The apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter one and verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. No matter how you feel this morning, no matter how external things or internal things are swirling about in your life and you feel as though things are out of control, the word of God tells us God is in control of all things. God is in control of all things. And Peter says, you killed Jesus by the hands of lawless men. You all were here. You all in Israel to whom he's speaking killed Jesus by the hands of lawless men. But what about us Gentiles? Do we get away scot-free? Were we involved in all of this? We killed him because of our sin, because we are in Adam, and because Adam rebelled in the fall and cast the human race into darkness, rebellion, and death, and because of this, Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come to save the world. Jesus had to come to bring restoration to the cosmos. Going on to verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. Friends, for men, it was impossible for Jesus to be raised from the dead. For men, it was impossible for Jesus to be raised from the dead. For David, speaking by the Spirit of God, it was impossible that Jesus wouldn't be raised from the dead. For Jesus himself, it was impossible that he wouldn't be raised from the dead. In fact, he said these words back in John chapter two and verse 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus in faith knew that he would be raised from the dead in three days. But I wanna say this friends, it is impossible for us as well 
to not conceive of the fact that in Christ we will be raised from the dead on the last day. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. David's tomb was still known and identified in the days before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. These festival goers and the apostles there in the first century prior to the destruction of Jerusalem could say, there's David's tomb over there. And if they went inside, they might find leftover dust, perhaps some bones, and there would be David's body lying in the dust. Friends, Adam and Eve's bodies are still lying in the dust. Abraham's body is lying in the dust. Moses' body, mysteriously, someplace, is lying in the dust. St. Mary's body is lying in the dust. Charlemagne's body is lying in the dust. George Washington's body is lying in the dust, and C.S. Lewis's body is still lying in the dust. But Jesus's isn't. Jesus is perfect body and spirit, alive forever at the right hand of the Father. He is seated and reigning and ruling over the cosmos right now, and he's pleased with our worship. He's hearing our prayers. He sent his spirit to be with us, and by the power of the spirit, he is with us. Verse 30, being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. If God said there would always be a Davidic king on the throne, there will always be a Davidic king on the throne. If God said that he would raise his son from the grave, he will raise his son from the grave. If God said he will raise his people from the grave, he will raise them from the grave, and he has said he will raise his people from the grave. Verse 32, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses the fearful small band of disciples, confused and hiding, is now bold in the spirit as witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. And guess what, friends? You also are witnesses by the Spirit of God through the Holy Bible of the resurrection of Jesus. Our world, so focused and fearful of death, needs to hear about the resurrection of Jesus you have the Holy Spirit of God in your hearts, people. The Holy Spirit is moving among us and the Holy Spirit is moving ahead of us. What might God do? We need to open up our mouths and declare the resurrection of Jesus to Buda, to Driftwood, to Dripping Springs, to Austin. Friends, our world needs to hear about the resurrection of Jesus and be reminded that his resurrection is our resurrection. Glory, hallelujah. When we lived in Santa Clarita, California, and my son was nine years old, he always had a short attention span. But one afternoon, the space shuttle came in for a landing at Edwards Air Force Base, and as was the usual practice, it created a huge sonic boom. 
my son came running in from the backyard with fear in his eyes and said, what was that? And I said, it was the shuttle. And then he fearfully asked back, an alien shuttle? His ears were open and his attention was focused. Fear focuses one's attention. And when you're in the midst of fearful events, your mind is open, your senses are peaked, and you hear more clearly than in ordinary times. And friends, our times are not ordinary times. And people need to hear through their fear the important things we've got to say about heaven and hell, about life and death and sorrow and joy. So fear not, for Jesus is with us. This morning, in the book of Acts, we've seen fears opens ears. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us, that you would take our fear away, that you would strengthen us in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make that a certainty in our hearts and give us courage to declare it in our time and place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.